Hey, folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. This is Pat Kreitlow at the Palatial Lake Wissota Studios of Up North News, along with Kirk Bankstead of the Monaco Brewing Company Super Pack. But no Kristen Lyerly this week, as Dr. Lyerly took part in a panel discussion yesterday about the attack on women's health rights at a humble little place we know as the White House. So she's not here, but we do have guests, Marquette Poll Director Charles Franklin and State Assembly Rep Jody Emerson of Eau Claire. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, 715-388-7155 or radio at upnorthnewswi.com. Hello, Mr. Bankstead. Pat, I feel like all the women we have on our show, like our our, our, our co-hosts, always get too famous for us. And they... <laughs> <laughs> Are we on a trend now or what? We had Kristen uh, Rye who's doing her own show now. Yep. We have- Sarah Koob's running for legislature. You know, <laughs> Kristen Lyerly's out there as a leading uh, advocate for women's health rights. And I, I would just like to, to think that we are we are fertile ground from which they can blossom. We we are the, the we are the manure from which they spring and, and do good things. The manure from which they spring. I was going to say holding fort, but I think uh, I think your metaphor is way better. <laughs> I think it might it might work in in this instance. Uh, I was just looking the at the Associated Press story about uh, the uh, the White House meeting yesterday, and a t- you know panel of doctors from around the country, basically marking 100 days since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And you know, making sure that uh, attention is still paid to the issue of women's health rights as these important elections come closer now, just 34 days away. So, yeah, we're, we're very proud of Kristen for doing that. And then later, we're going to talk to uh, Jody Emerson, state rep from Eau Claire, uh, about the topic and how it related to the attempt at a special session in the legislature yesterday. Uh, and Charles Franklin from the Marquette Poll will we'll talk about it, too. But you, sir. Apart from uh, noticing the the gorgeous fall foliage, you know, around the Monaco area, and I can I can affirm that uh, here on Lake Wissota, uh, you've actually been more of a road warrior. And w- what is this I hear that you're you're going to be spending some time in Philadelphia? Talk about people yeah. getting to be a big deal. What's up with <laughs> What's up with you? Well, Pat, as I was t- talking to you before the show started, you know, I, I purposely chose a business model that alienated about half of uh, of Wisconsin, and, oh, yeah. and and most of and many Wisconsin's a big beer drinking state. But when you knock off all the Republicans, you you can't sell as much beer as you'd like. So, I branched off into sh- like the Illinois and Chicago and and the Twin Cities. But this is a big one. We we had a really uh, established distributor called Shangies. Uh, out of uh, Philadelphia, reach out to reach out to us, and they liked what we were doing. And I think it was because Pennsylvania is about as purple as Wisconsin is. Yes, they, yes. And um, you know, and there's this huge race with Fetterman and, and this this Oz guy. <laughs> and, this Oz uh, guy. <laughs> and and so I think they understood that even in Pennsylvania, you know, especially Philadelphia, like they're fighting a huge fight as well. And they somehow they said they 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 understand what I think is that you need to be able to have businesses willing to stick their necks out and they're willing to do so as a distributor, uh, obviously in a more blue area like the the big cities in Pennsylvania. But it's it's huge for for the Monaco Brewing Company. Um, that's kind of the biggest market and the best distributor that we 
have been able to find so far. Well, that would be that would be a lot of fun, and uh, and good luck to you on that. Uh, what else were you were you sending me a note about? Are you going to do some beer tastings uh, closer oh, yeah. to home here? Yeah. So, um, you know, have you have you used TikTok before? You've tried it, right? I've, I've tried it, and I I actually I, I would do more. I just can't carve that much more time into my day. But yeah, I'm familiar <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. So. So I'm getting all these people telling me I have to get on TikTok because that's I'm, I'm like lopping off an entire generation if I don't do that. So I don't know anything about TikTok, and I'm you know me I, I I'm I'm long-winded as it gets. You know when I I just write and I I, I write long essays and that's what I do. Yes. So I've hired a, a guy uh, who's a really funny guy uh, who's you know is a musician to travel around the state of Wisconsin. His name is Tony Casaneda of the Tony Casaneda Latin Jazz Band in Madison. He's he's built to talk to people and he loves drinking beer and he loves what we stand for. And so he's going to travel around Wisconsin at a lot of the liquor stores that are selling our booze and do what we're calling TikTok tastings. So I've I've delegated the responsibility of learning how to use TikTok to him. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a get, get a good a good chance for us to kind of get out in the market because I'm uh, you know, I can't do it all myself. So he's going to help out with that. OK, when you mentioned TikTok, it reminded me. We, uh, we, we tape Saturday night live and then we just watch it at, at some point when we've got time. And, and we did that, uh, last night with the season premiere and they did a sketch about, uh, basically a bank robbery, but then everybody, the robbers, the, 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 the people in the bank, everybody had to stop because of a social media program that demanded <laughs> they stop what they're doing and, and post something right at that moment, something called be real. <laughs> I had no idea that was an actual thing. My wife says, is that, is that real? I'm like, no, no, it's not. And we keep watching the show and she's looking at her phone and she, she looks and says, yeah, it is. <laughs> this is, this is an actual, this is the next social media thing is the, is this thing called be real. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm still trying to catch up on TikTok or Instagram <laughs> oh, or, or don't, whatnot. Don't tell me, Pat, I, I can't do it either. <laughs> can't, can't do no, it. can't, can't. We're going to be very old school and stick to political polling. With Charles Franklin, right after this break, you're up north. Well, if it's Wednesday morning, then we know Kirk Bankstead is picking the music, and he went with uh, Sister Hazel's "Change Your Mind" as we get into these final 34 days before the election to uh, talk about polling, which. Uh, on the one hand, I, I could understand if some people would say, let's not have polling anymore because we already know Wisconsin is, is what it is. It's going to be 48-48 no matter what you do. But it, it's, it's, much, it's not nearly that simple, and we're very fortunate to have Charles Franklin from the Marquette Law School poll with us. Uh, he's a nationally recognized government scholar and pollster, been director of the uh, Marquette poll since its inception in 2012, and became a full-time member of the faculty in 2013. And uh, so, Kirk, you uh, want to kick things off by, as you often do, tell us what what prompted uh, yeah. your choice of guest for this week. Well, so, Charles, I just want to let you know, I don't know if you know, we had Jill Normington on sure. last week, uh, who is currently Tammy Baldwin's pollster, and uh, she was Alex Lazary, who was the Democratic primary candidate for U.S. Senate's pollster on last week. And uh, we got a kind of a take from a 
uh, partisan standpoint, I mean, if you're if you're kind of a pollster for campaigns, you kind of have to pick sides at one point or another, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's the way it is. So you uh, you are coming. I mean, your poll is, you know, from Marquette University and it's, uh, you know, per, it's is, you know, as bipartisan probably as it can be, I'm guessing. Um, so this is going to this is our chance. And polls are a really big deal to me because um you know, I've I've read a lot about them, and I and I feel like they're often used for the wrong purposes, and they're absolutely necessary, uh, you know, for for many people to understand what people care about. But I often often feel like they're used as a horse race, uh, you know, and and in Wisconsin, the horse race is always close, and and people hang on to these polls, and and politicians use them to either bully another candidate or to fundraise for another candidate. And I'm not sure if that's the best use. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, what what you hope your poll is used for and what you hope your poll is not used for. Sure, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I should just say, Jill Normington is a terrific pollster. And one of the things in this business is you realize that both Democratic and Republican firms have folks who are technically very good pollsters and they work for a cause. They work for a party. But, you know, there's really no reward in this business for being wrong, even if you're working for a cause or a party. Uh, So I have a lot of respect for, for Jill in particular, but also for Many, maybe not quite all uh, of the partisan pollsters out there. Um, I think, you know, the Marquette poll is attempting to be a nonpartisan rather than bipartisan in the sense that, you know, we're not consciously trying to balance those scales. But as for what we're up to, I think there's a sort of inevitable nature that the horse race dominates the news stories. Everybody wants to know who's ahead. I don't think there's, during a campaign season, at least a single news story that doesn't lead with, you know, what the horse race was. And that's pretty natural. I don't think we should think that that wouldn't be the lead. But out of our typical questionnaire of about 40 substantive questions, we ask two horse race questions Um, During an election campaign, we also ask seven or eight questions about the candidates. But most of what we ask about is actually about public policy. What what do you want to do about marijuana legalization? What do you want to do about abortion laws? What do you want to do about gun rights? Uh, And so over our history of polling, we've asked over 1,600 questions the vast majority of which are about policy issues. We use those a lot in our press releases, and I think they're important things for us to talk about. Uh, For better or for worse, they're not likely to be the lead story. They're not likely to be the first paragraph of most reporting on the polls. But in between elections, and especially next spring, when a new budget gets written for the state, no matter who wins this fall's election, those questions about what do you want to spend more on, what do you want to spend less on, whether you're willing to raise taxes or cut taxes, I think those are important things. And I at least see it as a pretty important part of our mission to uh, stay on top of those kinds of issues. I, I totally understand. And I think that, 
um, you know, that's my opinion as well, is that when you can kind of understand what the electorate feels uh, about important issues like Roe v. Wade, um, like, you know, the sanctity of our democracy and, and if they're worried or not about it, that can instruct a person running for office on what they want to talk about, what they want to focus on and, and how they talk about it necessarily. And I think that's that's great. Um, and, and when you're sorry to jump in, yeah. but when you're doing work for a campaign, a good chunk of what you're doing is to say, what message can we use that will resonate with voters? I'm looking at it a little bit on the other side, too. We have a number of things that we have large majorities in the state on, and yet we don't have legislative action or gubernatorial support for those things. And, of course, with divided government, we're struggling to pass much of anything. But I think that that question of how a democratic society responds to public opinion or chooses not to respond to public opinion is something that goes on outside of elections, but has an enormous amount to do with who we are as a society and how the public influences and hopefully controls government. So on the flip side, uh, not, is not issue based, but horse race based, you know, people are taking your poll because it is the most uh, value. I mean, it's the gold standard for Wisconsin polling. I mean, if anybody, nobody's going to dispute that the Marquette polls, what everybody wants to, to listen to or to read about and in Wisconsin, the results of your poll can can cause uh, super PACs, uh, can cause uh, the DCCC, the RCCC, all the big funding organizations to funnel money into Wisconsin or to yeah. take money out of Wisconsin and funnel it somewhere else. Um, these huge millions of dollars uh, often are uh, spent or not spent based on what your poll says. Now, the question I have is in in uh, 2006, uh, I think 2000, uh, the, the last the 2016 was the bad no, one. Is that where you're going? No, 2020. <laughs> no, 2020, the 538. Uh, kind of did the aggregate of all the polls in Wisconsin. And Biden was supposed to win by eight percentage points, and he only won by 20 percentage points or 20,000 votes, like less than right. 1%. So, you know, I'm not saying that I'm saying I'm worried that polls, uh, you know, before an election can can have this directional thing like, well, we're just going to give up. You know, like yeah. it worked in my, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously partisan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a progressive. So, you know, but, and, but it might've caused me not to put money into that race because, yeah. oh, Biden's going to win, you know, and he almost lost. I understand. couple of things. Let's, let's do the error for one thing. You're right. The average error was eight points, but I was off by three points. Okay. And I'd like to point that out because a lot <laughs> of people talk about big errors in Wisconsin. The New York Times was off by 11 points here. UW-Madison was off by nine points. Uh, ABC News was off by 17 points. And I was oh off God. by three points. <laughs> okay. So I'd just like to put that out there on okay. the record. Noted. Uh, Noted. Our average error over all of the elections we've done is 2.2 points. So I don't like being off by three. I want to be off by two or less. You know, I'd like to improve, not hurt my average. But I do think it's important to say how much variation there is across polling. And while averages are important, that's not the entire story. And, and 
so there's that. The other thing about our role in the state is, yes, we've done, we're right in the field right now with a poll that'll be out Wednesday the 12th. That'll be our 73rd poll of Wisconsin. But since we did our last poll in early September, there have been seven polls by other significant pollsters in the state. And so we're not the only voice of polling here in the state. And frankly, I want more polling in the state. Everybody benefits from having more of that polling to see what's going on. And finally, the committees you're talking about, the NRSC and the DCCC and all of those alphabet soup of uh, (laughs) campaign committees, they're also hiring their own pollsters to do their work. They're just not telling us what their results are showing. So I'm very pleased that the Marquette poll is respected in the state. I'm especially pleased that our track record has been well above the average of pollsters in the state for accuracy. But we're not infallible. 2016 proved us pretty badly wrong, though, again, above average, but but pretty badly wrong. And so I think no one should think my poll or anybody else's is infallible. But I'd really encourage attention to this uh, substantial number of other organizations that are polling in the state right now as well. Kirk uh, wrote up one question that I, I wanted to ask as well in the short time that we have remaining. And that is, and this is probably beyond polling. It's probably more for the for the campaign side of things. But are we aware of like anything close to a direct correlation between how much money is spent on negative campaigning and how much the target's favorability numbers will drop? Oh, negative campaigns almost always hurt the favorability of the target. They often hurt the favorability of the sponsor as well. Uh, And so, you know, when you decide as a campaign to run a negative campaign, you're really betting you can hurt the other guy more than you hurt yourself, but you're probably both going to suffer some from that. I think what we're seeing this year is that in the case of both uh, Mandela Barnes and of Tim Michaels, they came out of their primaries uh, with a lot of people not having an opinion about them, 41% for Barnes and 34% for Michaels in August didn't have an opinion. So that was opening the door for negative advertising to sort of introduce them in the most negative possible terms to that third to 40% of the electorate that really hadn't gotten to know them. Uh, The deluge of ads we've seen since then have certainly affected both of their numbers, where both Barnes and Michaels have become more unfavorable over that period. I've got uh, one minute left, Charles, so I'll I'll ask what I hope is a pretty simple one. But what, what is it that you would say to people who allow horse race polling to kind of help determine you know, they, they use it as affirmation. Well, if this candidate's up by five points, I guess my neighbors think she or he is the better choice. Yeah, I, I think we don't have much evidence that people behave like that. I do think that we have an enormous pressure for people to see the polls in ways that reinforce what they want to see happen. Mm-hmm. And so if a poll comes out and shows your guy ahead, you believe that poll completely. But if it shows the other guy ahead, you want to discount that and find everything wrong with it. Bottom line, for goodness sake, vote your values and your preferences and don't let 
my polling affect what you do. Don't let who's ahead or behind affect what you do. That's easier said than done sometimes. It is, but it's it's important that that be said and that it come from you. Charles Franklin, director of the Marquette Poll. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, We'll continue our conversation here after this break. You're up north. Let me die. I'm only happy when it rains. I'm only happy when it's complicated. I, I don't understand, Kurt. Why did you pick garbage? I'm only happy when it rains to talk about our friend Jody Emerson. This is oh, this come seems, on. This seems borderline insulting to me. That's I don't know. not it. We're, this next segment is is we're is all about how Tony Evers called this special session to talk about this. 1840, 172-year-old abortion ban, and he wanted to do something positive, and he wanted to actually bring this to a vote for the entire Wisconsin population, who we know think this ban is is abhorrent because it's 172 years old and doesn't make exceptions in the cases of rape or incest. And so, as expected, the Republicans gaveled in and gaveled out, both in the state Senate and the state assembly. And obviously, that's why I played Butch Vig and Garbage. It only They're only happy when it rains because they don't want to do anything good for Wisconsin. They just want to keep us in a state of rain and thunder and drizzle. Uh, so jo- Representative Jody Emerson, could we, could we get a fact check on that, please? Um. You know, Kirk's off in his own little world sometimes, so I'll just let him be off in his own little world. But what he was saying about the governor and about the Republicans only being happy when it rains and then they can blame the flooding on Tony Evers is spot on. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with a mostly true on that one or <laughs> like the Pinocchio, the, 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 the meter. Yeah. Mostly true. Boom. All right. uh, so Good. you so you, were, were you in the assembly chamber yesterday? I was for that quick little uh, I think it was 10 seconds, maybe 20 seconds. I think Tyler mm-hmm. August talked a little slower than he normally does. So yeah. uh, it was 20 seconds for us. So. But here's the thing. we I mentioned this earlier in the program as well, that you know a, a legislative body sets up rules for a reason. Th- those rules exist, and they're there to be respected and followed. If the Republican leadership couldn't be bothered to have its members come in, and by the way, I, I get the notion of a skeletal session where it's just the speaker and the majority leader. That's how they gavel in, gavel out. But it is still a session nevertheless. And if, if, if you all on the Democratic side actually did your job and showed up and the Republicans didn't, and yet they, they gaveled you out anyway without hearing your objections, without respecting the actual voice vote on the floor, um, you know, my word for it is cheating. That's a better word than I had yesterday and an appropriate <laughs> word for live radio. Let's just leave it at that. But, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the frustrating thing for me, and I think this is being lost in a lot of the headlines, is that what the governor was actually calling for yesterday was the ability to allow binding referenda and ballot initiatives. So it wasn't even specifically about that 1849 law. We did that one a couple months ago and they gaveled in and gaveled out. This would allow 
the people to propose and approve laws and constitutional amendments through a ballot initiative. It also would allow the people to reject an act of the legislature. And I think that's honestly what the Republicans are most afraid of. When we have such a gerrymandered body that they're not listening to what the public is saying, whether it's about abortion or legalizing marijuana or expanding Medicaid or, you know, name a half a dozen other topics that the Republicans are ignoring the will of the people. This was our alternative, which I might also interject that this was proposed by Ron Johnson. He said, well, let the people decide. Right. So not only was it proposed by Ron Johnson, let me clarify what you just said. So Ron Johnson, after Roe was overturned, said, you know, he mimicked the entire Republican Party when they when they said we need to leave this to the states to decide. You know, this was their like dog whistle. You know, they really want to ban abortion across the United States and every single state in the union. But their dog whistle to say that, you know, to confuse the voter is to say, well, this shouldn't be something decided at the federal level. And that's kind of what the Supreme Court opinion said as well. It should be decided at the state level. So, okay, now that they've won and they've gotten Roe overturned and in state Wisconsin, as well as a number of other states, you can no longer have an abortion. Um, they, they just go along with that. They're like, yes, we should leave it to the states. So Ron Johnson said that let's leave it to the states to decide. I'm sure a swath of other Wisconsin Republicans said the same thing. And then Tony Evers does exactly what they say. And he says, let's let the states decide with a referendum with a referendum on this old abortion law. And recently, Ron Johnson said, well, I don't know what what he's asking, so I can't quote, uh, you know, I can't answer what Tony Evers is wanting. What Tony Evers was wanting was to set up a process to have the people ask the question. Like, we don't even have the process. And it blows my mind that Ron Johnson, who's been our senator for 12 years now, doesn't even understand that there's not that process in Wisconsin, but I know I'm getting into the weeds on this. But. No, but it, but it gets into <laughs> th- this comes back to gerrymandering, to rigging the maps <laughs> because Democrats have won 11 of the last 12 statewide elections. If you were to take that statewide Democratic vote and overlay it on the state assembly, you'd actually have a majority instead of this tiny minority that you have now. What that is is a way for the Republicans, once they were able to seize control, is to say, we don't want to listen to the people anymore. We don't want to listen to the voters, so we will rig the maps so that we hear what we want to hear. So why would they embrace a referendum approach to anything? Because again, they would have to respect the will of the voters. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it just comes down to they don't respect the voters. Um, you know, And this this is getting a little bit bigger on this, but they don't respect the voters by, you know, showing up to do their job. I mean, you know, everybody could have been there for one minute yesterday or gosh, heaven forbid, a half hour to have a little discussion on this and take a vote. They just gaveled in and gaveled out. But it's bigger than that, too, because we're seeing whether it is at um, the federal level with some congressional races or um, state races like state Senate and state assembly, um, Republicans are not showing up to debate at all. And that's that's a bigger issue, too, when when we're letting the sound bites of their commercials, their headlines, things like that, tell people what people are standing for instead of 
you know, what's the next 10 words of your soundbite? Make, make your whole sentence. Um, give us a minute of your thoughts. Um, you know, it's, we really are, are teetering on not having a democracy anymore. Let me follow up. So I was going to ask a totally different question, but I, I was sensing this as well. So we have the, the congressional race with uh, Sean Pfaff and Derek Van Orden, where Derek Van Brad Orden Pfaff. refused. Brad, Brad, Brad Pfaff, yeah. Derek Van Orden refuses to, uh, to, to a longstanding tradition to, to debate in, uh, in lacrosse. Uh, I just recently read on Facebook that the Republican running against uh, your colleague, Katrina Shanklin, won't, won't debate as well. Is, is that tr- So to me, is this like some plan like by, by, re- by the Republican Party to, to, to either because they know their candidates can't talk on the stump or they know their viewpoints are so out there that it would actually hurt their campaigns, uh, you know, or, or is it just that we've got more money? It's way easier to control the electorate with ads than it is to actually let people see both sides and, and decide for themselves. Yeah, and and I think that's it. It's it's not just Katrina. I mean, there's several other candidates who can't get debates with their people, um, and we have a longstanding tradition of of having some forums, whether it is. Um, you know, WPR here in Wisconsin um, or League of Wisconsin voters, things like that, 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 you know, there's been multiple times I've been able to debate my opponents in past elections. I honestly don't even know what my opponent looks like because I don't think we're ever going to meet face to face this election. So, um, and I think, I think you owe it to the voters to show up at least once or twice. And this isn't just a Wisconsin thing. We're seeing this all over the country. Um, you know, Herschel Walker too, right? Like in, a, in a Georgia, like was, didn't want to debate for a long time. Like, yeah. Well, now he says he will, but I'm not sure he remembers saying it is the thing. I mean, we, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a cultural matter now that we know they no longer wish to actually listen to anybody but themselves, they have their own right-wing media bubble that they can talk to. And then thanks to Citizens United, they can pour virtually unlimited cash into political ads and communicate that way. They don't have to show up on a, a story in the six o'clock news about a forum because their commercial is going to run in the six o'clock news and they control that entirely. So uh, Representative Emerson the, the trend that we've been talking about ever since the, the Dobbs decision and ever since the Kansas referendum is that uh, the, the anger about the repeal, the attack on women's health rights is not going to subside, no matter how many crime ads, you know, Tim Michaels and Ron Johnson run and how much uh, Tom Tiffany talks about, you know, illegals or, you know, any other type of race baiting. The fact of the matter is a whole lot of women and their allies are are showing up November 8th. Or am I wrong? Is this subsiding? And this is your chance to maybe sound some alarm bells or concerns. Well, I think it is not only is this the first time in history where we've actually had rights taken away from us and longstanding rights that have been established for 50 years, literally almost as long as I've been alive, um, that that we're having rights taken away, the the decision in Dobbs was also a precursor for what could be next. And that's the scarier piece. Um, So people need to stand up and say, 
We are not going to let an activist court rule our lives. We are a democracy here. We're going to vote for the people who, who represent what we think. And, you know, I mean, if Kansas could overturn something like this, you know, it's not exactly the bastion of liberalhood. Um, <laughs> and, and they're the ones that put a resounding, no, the government doesn't belong in my personal medical decisions. And that's what it comes down to. And whatever that medical decision is, do we want the government saying that, well, you know, that that person, they're pretty, they're pretty old and they're pretty sick. So I don't think we should waste the money on cancer treatments. That's up for that person to decide and their doctor and whoever they bring into that conversation. And the same thing is true about whether to continue a pregnancy or not. So you sound, you just sounded your alarm, Jody, and I just want to buttress what you said by sounding, uh, you know, my own personal alarm. I mean, we are, we, Roe, Dobbs, uh, you know, a ban on abortion in Wisconsin is, needs to be the center piece of, of this November 8th election. It's rights have been taken away from women. We are being inundated with ads that try to deflect against that crime ads and inflation ads. And we, we as voters can't, can't buy that because that those issues are, are inflated through millions of dollars of, of dark money, but Roe v. Wade and holding onto our democracy and holding on to women's rights are the two issues of our generation of our time and we have to vote for those issues on november 8th and it's and if we don't we we're in trouble we're in deep deep trouble exactly exactly yeah i don't think i could say it any better than you did so um you know that's it, okay it, it, it's, it's how this often works is if, if we just bring on a guest that says kirk you're you're 100 right this this is <laughs> i'm this never 100 right i'm often very very wrong pat oh no Come but on. this this play is a business model sound bites. see this is why people campaign in sound bites he had a good one there <laughs> <laughs> uh now even in a a safe uh democratic district uh, like the city of eau claire you again talk about talking to the people you're still knocking on doors and talking to people right yes Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to be going out later today. I'll probably be on the doors every single day from now until the election. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is this is how we talk to people. This is how we get our message out there. It's not about who can buy the flashiest ad. It's mm -hmm. about who can who can meet with the most people and get their message out there that way. Yeah, um, it it, we it need should to be back to that, not paying media. I mean, I, I don't want to bash the radio station, but you know, nope. we, we need to uh, work more people, people versus through the airwaves one way or the other. So exactly. State representative Jody Emerson from Eau Claire. Always fun. Thanks so much. Appreciate Good it. Well, take care. All right. We will wrap up this hour's conversation after this. You're up north. That's me in the corner. That's me in the spot. Wednesday's Up North News Radio Show, we heard from two more legislative candidates, women running for assembly and Senate seats in the Fox Valley. Marquette Poll Director Charles Franklin outlined his views on the right and wrong ways to interpret polling data when it comes to predictions, advertising buys, and voting itself. 
State Assembly Rep. Jody Emerson of Eau Claire didn't mince words about the arrogance of Republicans running the legislature who gaveled in and gaveled out a special session, giving the procedural equivalent of a big middle finger to women whose health care rights are now governed by a law written by a bunch of men in 1849. On Thursday's show, we'll visit with two more women running for seats in the legislature from Northeast Wisconsin. Also, Courier Newsroom National Correspondent Kia Vakil helps us understand the crazy contests playing out in other states. I mean, hey, Ron Johnson is a national threat, but when you've got Herschel Walker and Dr. Oz on the scene as well, it's kind of tough to avoid staring at the dumpster fires for a little while. And we'll review some dates to keep in mind if you want to vote prior to November 8th. I'm Pat Kreitlow for all that and more. Check us out weekday mornings from 8 to 11 on the radio, online, or on demand as a podcast. Get the details at upnorthnewswi.com. How you like that, Kirk? We just kind of pulled back the curtain on live radio for you. Oh, that's that was beautiful. That you had all you just wrapped it up in a little boat. We 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 promo the 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 show for the next day, and then we we turned we we used to turn to super producer Luke Mathers to promote all the other shows in the Civic Media Empire. And then, you know, we, we got Aaron, but now breaking news, Mr. Mathers is, is back on, on camera now. Apparently, his workday now just starts at 10.50 instead of 8.06. So oh, from <laughs> lips to God's ears, Pat, that would be, that sounds pleasant. I, 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 yes, I just rolled out of bed, actually. That's, that is what happened. That uh, <laughs> that would be that would be well deserved if if in fact you did. Um, your your uh, your 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 guy is doing a fantastic job here. We've really enjoyed having Aaron here on day one of his yeah, new show. I'm I'm kind of shouting from the background, and it's uh, it, I, I I want to participate still. You had a, a very busy Wednesday morning with in your first morning without me. Uh, and I think Aaron's been doing a terrific job. So hats off to him. And and now he gets to deal with my side commentary from the other room. When I don't have a mic in front of me, I still get to to commentate because I can hear it, uh, but it doesn't go out over these airwaves. <laughs> Unless I repeat it, which it's true. <laughs> I could. Yeah, but you, don't have to, you don't have to reiterate all the crazy ramblings of, of me in the in the back room. It's See, totally Kirk, you listening to these two? These are the two that are going to replace us someday. We're we're only <laughs> keeping these seats warm. I heard there for, was a potential. There's a potential promo about manure or something like that, that you guys referenced earlier this morning. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to hearing that one when it comes out. There yeah. might have been. We uh, are the manure from which talent springs. There you go. <laughs> so to that end. Mr. Mathers, who has his own show on many of these fine radio stations, is here to tell us about dueling tangents and as goes Wisconsin and anything else ahead on these civic media stations. Luke. Yes, uh, we are excited. Uh, devil or Devils. The Devil's Advocates do have a tease. I'm going to do that. But dueling tangents with Luke and Brian, uh, we're hoping to be united again on the airwaves together. We've been kind of doing split shifts, uh, so to say. So Brian and I haven't had a whole lot of chance to catch up on air. So we're hoping to today. Uh, and uh, there's a, a a proposal that Tim Michaels is saying that he would be interesting to get behind, interested in getting behind, uh, and that would be the flat tax, which some conservative groups have already floated here in Wisconsin. So we're going to get into that in the two o'clock hour on dueling tangents. Uh, and but before that, between now and then, as goes Wisconsin plays across this great network on almost all of the stations. So you can tune in to Bull Falls Radio. You can tune into the Shaw your choice of which civic media station you want to listen to. Uh, but Kristen on Wednesdays is 
joined by comedian and co-host for As Goes Wisconsin, Greg Bach. And tonight is the Milwaukee Comedy Festival, and they're going to be giving away some tickets to the Comedy Festival. So if you want to tune in, if you're in the Milwaukee, Waukesha area, and want to see Kristen, who will be hosting the Roast of Milwaukee tonight, you can win some free tickets by calling in. Um, they're also going to be joined by Carmen Petrie, the CEO of Sojourner, Sojourner Family Peace Center. Apologize if I said that name wrong. Uh, and then Dan Schaefer, who was on Dueling Tangents yesterday, will be on the Chad Holmes Show at 2.30 this afternoon here on Bullfalls Radio and on WFHR Locally Grown Radio. So if you didn't get enough of Dan yesterday on Dueling Tangents, you can tune into Chad's show this afternoon. You can never get enough of Dan Schaefer and the recombobulation area. And as we always say, if, if uh, the show, uh, one of these shows isn't on a station by you or you just want to listen anytime, go get the Civic Media app or go to civicmedia.us, right, Luke? Correct. Or, or use the TuneIn app or tunein.com. We're going to have to come up with a, you know, a, a quicker wrap up to this. We got to find the, like the one best way for people to tune into everything and we'll just keep pounding at that. There's not a universal remote yet, but we'll work on it with our, our station takeover of, of Wisconsin. We're going to have this network pretty much everywhere. So there's going to be an option to listen. And if you want to find out about the future stations that will be coming, go to civicmedia.us. You can sign up to learn more about what we're doing at Civic Media. And uh, then tomorrow, the, the Devil's Advocates did not have a guest for me to promote today, but I'll tease tomorrow's guest already. <laughs> there you go, Aaron. <laughs> Uh, but tomorrow, Joel Jacobson, who is a writing candidate in the 63rd Assembly District. I don't know if Joel's going to appreciate this music for the plug, but... <laughs> well, uh, it's, is that it's the Empire late. Strikes Back music? Yes, we, we should explain. Kirk, I, I, I've put a requirement on our show that anytime we talk about the growing civic media empire, we have to hear the, 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 the theme. Because so, that way I can imagine Crute coming down the hallway with a long black cape, you know, breathing yeah. heavily from all the smoking. And yeah, that's but, he, but, he, but, but in a good way, in a good empire kind of way. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mathers. Yeah. Appreciate no it. No problem. So, right. uh, so glad to join you and uh, look forward to doing it at 1050 here on uh, Up North News. Let's let's finish off by echoing what you're going to talk about, Joel Jacobson. Uh, I've met this guy, and he lives down in Robin Voss's area, like in Burlington, Wisconsin. And he didn't, he wasn't going to run again because that area got gerrymandered even worse uh, than it was before. And he just, you know, he knew he wasn't going to win. But this crazy thing happened. Donald Trump got in the way, and he started touting this. Republican primary candidate who only lost by like 60 votes in the primary or something very small. So there's going to be two right in candidates. One's going to be this right wing Republican and which might split the vote among Republicans. So now Joel Jacobson, a great Democrat down there, has a shot at winning, but it's got to be a write in candidate. So it's it's going to be wild down there uh, on November 8th. And but man, if we can get the word out for Democrats to go out and vote in in that Burlington area, we could get rid of one of the evilest, most evil Republicans <laughs> in Wisconsin, who is Robin Voss. So Somebody, it's a really that, that big does deal. actually deserve that empire tune. Yes, you, you'll want to tune in to the Devil's Advocates tomorrow from four to six p.m. to hear Joel Jacobson on the Devils. All right, sounds good. And uh, Reverend Kirk, we are our promo ran a little long here, so I just want to say you you had a, a, an amazing column on the Beatitudes and how that applies to this election. So go to the uh, Facebook page of the Monaco Brewing Company to learn more about that. So that's the news for this Wednesday. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Kreitlow, on Facebook at Pat Kreitlow Up North. 
and follow Up North News by searching Up North News WI. Don't forget the WI on social media or upnorthnewswi.com and subscribe to our daily newsletter. So uh, go have a great day. And remember what Jimmy taught us. If we couldn't laugh, we would all go insane. See you Thursday. Thursday.